Hi everyone, the views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations, committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell. And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM. Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bring with BIM. As usual, I'm Joe Whitney. With me today is Dave Campbell and returning guest, John Niles. What's going on, John? Hey, how are you guys doing? It's good to, good, to, good to be back on the mic again with you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I say I'm, you know, I'm hosting and, you know, you're the guest, but actually I'm using your your team setup today, man. So I apologize and thank you for uh, helping us out here in the, in the technology woes that we're dealing with this morning. Hey, it takes a village. Happy to help. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. And Dave, uh, you just mentioned you went and got a drink, dude. What are you drinking, bud? It is, uh, it's pretty warm out here today, man. So today I am sipping on a, uh, a crown apple on ice. <laughs> nice, nice. Excellent. I am drinking some coffee because I'm still healing from this past week in Indiana, buddy. But uh, I figure a cold brew uh, should count as brewing with Bim. <laughs> Dude, I, I feel you there, man. Conferences are always uh, pretty pr- painful on the on on the liver in the next couple of days following. Uh, but sure. no, I feel like uh, I drank water there for a couple of days. So I'm like, I, after the first day, I was like, I gotta drink water. I just gotta drink more water. <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good today. Well, I am trying a what they call a Citralicious IPA. It's uh, from a local brewery here in uh, Northern Virginia called uh, Two Silos Brewing Company. It uh, is brewed in uh, Manassas, Virginia. It's really good stuff. Oh, nice. So uh, did you know that Clear Edge is headquartered or was headquartered? I'm not sure if it's still there in Manassas, Virginia. Is it really? I did yeah. not know that. Yeah, we'll have to hook you guys up. Yeah, that would, be a nice, uh, that would be nice to go visit visit with the team. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, that fits into what we're talking about today. For those guys who don't know who ClearEdge is, uh, they do a lot with scan data. Today, we wanted to chat with you about scanning and uh, a lot of cool scanning technology that's out there. I guess you've been playing around with quite a bit these days in your, your new role as we talk about digital twins and all this sort of stuff. So uh, why don't you catch our listeners up on what you've been doing since we last chatted. Yeah, well, since I, since we last chatted, uh, I, uh, I, I moved from a construction uh, GC company to, uh, to a consulting firm based out of uh, San Diego. For those of you who don't know, um, it's a company called GAFCON. They're, uh, they're a 30-year-old uh, project management, construction management company based in Southern California, San Diego to be exact. Um, we are uh, we are a different group uh, within GAFCON called Digital, and our uh, we're an owner's representative for the digital life cycle, building dif- digital digital building life cycle. It's a mouthful. Our clients are uh, Fortune 250 companies, and we ch- we're change agents who are looking to incorporate the uh, digital transformation into their global real estate projects. So we're we're representing the owners. 
and helping them, you know, figure out their digital journey uh, to to that uh, that holy grail we call the uh, digital twin. So we're working with clients uh, on their data centers, biotech labs, DOD, and mission critical facilities. So it's a really exciting time, and I think an impactful area where we can help uh, help owners. Um, navigate the myriad of softwares and tools and solutions that are out there. We, we sort of uh, pride ourselves on being software agnostic, although we look at what's, what's out there in the field and, and what's best of breed. That so is awesome. I, I started with them about six months ago and um, really just enjoying the uh, join the the high level of uh, employees that are there um, along with our clients and just doing some really great work and, and having a lot of impact with them. So you mentioned a few things there that I want to touch on. So you yeah. listed mission crit- critical and, bi- you know, biotech and data centers and um, just a lot of crazy, you know, projects that are normally chaotic, especially when you're talking about DOD and all that sort of stuff. The requirements are quite strict. Um, the project scopes are quite complex. I mean, um you know, I've picked apart quite a few of these projects in the past, and it, it it's crazy. So for you to be on the owner's rep side going in there and talking about construction technology going forward, it really takes someone with your background, your, you know, um, varied knowledge, I guess, across all spectrums here, because, uh, you know, you, you've got to know and understand technology, really, to go to those owners on those complex projects and say, this is what we should be doing. You know, this is I'm here what you're saying and what you want to get to. This is the path to get path. To get. So in order for uh, I think, you know, I think of an owner's rep historically, I'm like, oh, it's just the person that is an inter- intermediary and they don't really understand, you know, stuff. Right. They understand processes. You understand the technology. That's that's so remarkable. Yeah, it's a lot. of it, It's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, and the, the reality is, is that that our clients have a core business to run. They don't necessarily um may have the time to spend to learn all these new technologies in the digital digital field specifically with digital buildings and this gives them a way to have that knowledge base that that staff on uh on premise or or remotely to answer those questions and shepherd them through those those projects especially with implementation we all know you could take you could take uh, one piece of software and apply it in two different locations or with two different companies and you'll get two different results out of it. Now I've seen that firsthand. And so I can lend some of my experience to that where you implement a product and, and it doesn't, it doesn't work the way it was intended to simply from making some, some poor decisions or just making uninformed decisions. And then, and then you can take that same product, implement it and make those right decisions and, it works flawlessly for their workflow and, and it provides value to the bottom line um, with the client. So, you know, navigating a lot of this technology, is, it, it's daunting and it, 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 it's a real full-time job. And, and, and for our clients, they may not have that time to spend. They know, what they, they know where they want to go and where they want to be at, but they may necessarily need some help. So Dave uh, can probably attest to this. He's more of the technical guy that does the implementations. I act is more usually more as the rep, steering the conversation and and 
getting people to what they need. But uh, I, I just want to second that. In fact, probably even third what you just said. Uh, you just so in saying that um, two implementations of the same product, same software for you know even the same use cases, say uh, installing uh, something as basic as Revit into two architecture firms that do the same type of projects, they're gonna use it the same way, or they're gonna use it in different ways. Um, you know, we're going to go in there and, and see, you know, parameters set up incorrectly, the family libraries, um, the naming conventions, like it, 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 there, it doesn't end up working um, best for people unless you have that guided approach to go in there and say, look, I understand this isn't part of your core business. Um, well, maybe architectures, for example, because it is their core business, but um without them having that guided hand to go in there and really know and have experience of somebody like your caliber to say this is actually the best way to use this and do this and implement this processes and and technology and getting back to something else you just said a second ago you said uh you know ultimately to, for that digital twin deliverable what is a digital twin to you i feel like there is so much confusion around the term so much um misinformation kind of being spread uh, I mean, because we all talk about digital twins, and for some people, it's it's a scan. For some people, it's a, a true representation of the model. I just I want to love to understand what a digital twin is in your context, John. Well, to me, it's both. Um, bottom line, I think that a digital twin is really a digital representation of a physical object or components. Digital twins add the element of multiple models. So a campus setting might have 10 buildings on it along with the site. That would, to me, would be a digital twins. And really, you know, really a digital twin is is exactly that. It can be a scan. It could be, it could be a physical, or not a physical, but a digital representation of the building. Um, but there's there's also more to it than just that. It's it's also it's also embedding data of which the client wants to see. So that might be, say, Internet of Things. It may be uh, sensors that tell you when to change filters. It may be um, so documents. So possibly applying maybe even something as basic as asset information into that scan so absolutely or 3d right. yeah. oh yeah 3d yeah. photo or, or whatever have you any yeah. any supporting i feel like attributes or data parameters anything you could put in there is, is going to be vastly beneficial but i also feel like um the big thing is there when we say digital twin it needs to be updated that information needs oh yeah to be yeah added it needs to be to your that digital build. twin because yeah. i mean it's just like a pdf or it's just like a, a an ocad file or a revit file when when things are done it's just it's there it's dropped and if nobody updates it at that point it's not beneficial I right but it's with... also i feel like you need to start planning those the the scanning as you're really going out to scan for what you're going to use that data for. I've worked yeah. with so many space planning firms. I, I can't even count at this point, but or there are large companies with space planning inside of them. I mean, you know, even some of the top 50 largest companies in the U.S. have this same issue. Um, they have a space planning department. They received CAD files. Um, the CAD files were never updated. Maybe someone made changes on a Bluebeam PDF or in Visio or something like that. 
with the CAD files as a backdrop. The CAD files will never change. Therefore, whenever somebody wants to reference those CAD files later on, say that whoever was doing that updating and whatever you know uh, software they were doing, if they were even doing it at all, um, there's just nobody to go and reference. So they're starting from scratch, and that's where the benefits of say a 3D photo or a scan really come in, come in uh, handy. John, John, let me ask you a question. Have you gotten into Autodesk Tandem yet? I have uh, I have uh, only uh, played with it a little bit on the periphery. We have uh, we have a couple of team members that are much more involved in the in the in that program, so I've kind of relied on them to to feed information to me on it. What's your take on it? You know, like most software, I, I feel like you know it's in its infancy, but at the same time, I'm so excited to get to a point where you know, we're not just tagging things, but you're actually placing asset information into it. I feel like that's, there's a big missing gap. Autodesk used to have this platform back in the day. And I think they, I mean, we're getting back there now with their new asset tracking features and stuff, but there used to be this workflow with uh, BIM 360 where Revit would connect to the old, I don't remember if you remember the old glue and field platforms. They do, I do. Yeah, in field, we would uh, input um, asset information and then we kick out um you know it takes some buy-in from an owner's perspective but the owner would uh get a ops bin 360 ops it's a ticket management system basically that had the 3d data and all the asset information in there so you got commissioning data warranty whatever you, you know whatever you got in there um you push that to it and they have uh, essentially an up-to-date revit model nearly as built right with the information in there i don't know just yeah. i'm that type of stuff you know, I love that's I'm a database well, out on this stuff, too. Heck, yeah, man. I mean, the more data that we can get, the better. And I mean, that's why I was excited about Autodesk Tandem. Right. I mean, I, I know I need to do some exploration there um, in terms of figuring out how the digital twin can connect to the model, how we can integrate the model information into something like a scan. You know what I mean? I mean, I know a lot of us are, are still really focusing on getting the models to where they need to be in terms of tracking assets, warranties you know, things like that, tracking the actual components that are in it. But um, I, I just, I feel like there's so much room to grow with these point clouds, especially, you know, as we get into structured and unstructured data, drone scannings versus terrestrial scanners. It, it's just, there's so many different ways that now we're able to aggregate the information. <laughs> yeah, dude. Slam algorithms. Yeah. I mean, there's so much, there's so much that's coming. There yeah, is. you're you're absolutely right, and, and and it's an exciting time to be in the business. It's I think probably one of the most exciting times I've seen in a long, long time um, to be in the business. You're seeing all this all this uh, coagulation of data and 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 technologies around building building information modeling. But then all that stuff that sits out on the periphery, right? So laser scanning, point clouds, um, terrestrial scanning, drones, and bringing all that in and starting to use it in a fundamental way. The technology just wasn't there a few years ago. I mean, the technology was there, but the the hardware and the the the, the means of communicating and moving that data back and forth. We're just not there. I mean, the data sets are still so large. I think that's yep. one of the biggest this, impediments and that's, opportunities. 
Yeah, John, I completely agree, man. And I that you know that was going to be one of my next points. One of the biggest things that I really feel like, and I'm actually going to be doing a presentation here in the next couple months about this, is why I'm kind of on this train still. But um, one of the biggest things that I feel that are beneficial to a project, the project lifestyle or life cycle, is visibility. Right? It's visualization is really what it is. It comes down to visualization. It, it, it comes down to giving all of the project stakeholders visualization of the data, right? Of, of the existing conditions of the project as it changes, as it grows, as things are built, you know, as they're assembled and finished, as they finish up a package and they go over to move to another portion of the building. As these things are getting done, it's very important for people to know this data and to be able to see how something was put in, right? When you start thinking about you know, the size of these point clouds, that's been the biggest drawback to being able to use them as something like that in a, in a common data environment, right? You typically need to send over the file and all of the support files if it's been processed yet or not, and then people can pull it down. Typically, you might lose some information if you're pulling it from Dropbox or where have you, and you know, then somebody actually needs the actual software to be able to view the point cloud itself. And it, it's it's a very difficult um, kind of speed bump to get over. But I feel like, again, as you know, as you're kind of saying there, we're in the right time because the technology yeah. is really starting to pick up. I mean, uh, one thing I really wanted to get into today as well, John, was that Sintu, just because, you know, I've gotten into Recap Pro with 2022 and now they're giving us the capability to publish, you know, these scans or those scan locations and the real views up to the cloud, which to me is just Awesome. You know, be giving yeah, project stakeholders the visibility of that project through a point cloud scan is awesome. You're, you're not getting the point cloud in BIM. So with no, uh, you're not you're ACC, getting, you're getting you're, the views. Yeah. Yeah. You're getting the view. And that that I mean, I, I understand there's a lot of um, information to get when we're talking about pixel data and being able to take measurements from a pixel. It's a lot for a viewer. Mm -hmm. um, to handle, especially as we talk about BIM 360. I hope that this gets built out in the future. But I've heard a lot of great things about Sintu and its integration, yeah, uh, you know, yeah. linking files. I know we'll link an RCP and I can open that normally and just host it in, in, in ACC. Um, but the viewing aspect is really where we're, we're lacking some stuff. So on Sintu side, what are you guys doing? Are you, are you in that, that space, I'm assuming, John? I absolutely love Sintu. Sintu has been sort of a godsend for us, and I really wish it had been around. And maybe it, maybe it's been around a little bit longer than I realized. But as putting my GC hat back on, one of the biggest issues that we had was we would go out and scan an area, and then it would take us forever to share it. You'd put it on Dropbox, or you'd put it on box or or one of the other you know systems and he couldn't really share it oh yeah dave and i are we're scanning we were sending uh point clouds to each other we have dot las from a road scan and we uh -huh. were trying to send all these files to each other earlier would you say one file i sent you earlier gigs. was like 14 like, uh, and a half gigs i'm like dude like, uh, i just crashed uh, my network i can't yeah. do that <laughs> <laughs> yeah so, so yeah. Inter interestingly enough I was causing all sorts of issues with our OneDrive because the files couldn't process fast enough up to the cloud. Um, and then it would start to create some mismatches with our files, our oh. file server. And we would we would actually have to, you know, I, I actually was running too fast. And, and 
you wouldn't see files for for days until it kind of sorted itself out. It always did. I mean, they do such a great job of, of of versioning and syncing and everything else, but it would take some time. I mean, with Sintu, it's um it's incredible. You take your you take your structured scans and and you just upload them to their their system. You've got a built-in viewer online, so it's all cloud-based. Um, you know, Sintu really they tout themselves as being the uh, the the net Netflix for point cloud data, and and frankly, they're spot on with that statement. So uh, I actually heard that one of the gentlemen that helped start Sintu came from the Recap team. That's that's what I've heard too, and it's kind of insightful. Um, and, and I think that they've uh, they've they've certainly built a better mousetrap in this case. It, you know, I, I I'm able to now share files uh, with folks across the country at the same time that they're uploaded. It's it, it's really almost unbelievable if you think about the way we used to do things back in the day. Uh, you know, not even a year ago, I would literally take that that point cloud that I would create after we go out and do a scan job and put it on a, a portable hard drive and send it to them because it was oh, fast. Yeah. 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 Honestly, that was uh, I did an edgewise training uh, probably a couple months back and um, it was actually for a water treatment facility. And there's a lot of pipes, a lot of scan data in there. Yep. And they tried to send it to me through Dropbox. We transfer every it just wouldn't work eventually they had to just send me the hard drive and that's how they got it too. They got an external hard drive and they just, you know, loaded it all onto their computer. And it's funny that you say that because I mean, a lot of times when I talk to people about scanning, that's actually one of my, uh, you know, tips that I give them is, Hey, when you're done processing that scan stored on an external hard drive, if we're storing that much data on your computer, and if you do, you know, a few of these scans, it's going to start running up your memory, your computer's running slower. It's just not good. You know what I mean? And we needed to find, we need to find a way to better store and share the cloud, uh, the point cloud information. Well, I, I would highly encourage you to give uh, give Sintu a try. They they've got a they've got a 30 day um, evaluation. They're not paying me for this, uh, by the way. So. <laughs> but, but, not sponsoring but, you know, this episode. Yeah, they are not sponsoring this episode. But I will say that you know, you know, uh, Rick Rasnick and and Alex Galvin over there have been just tremendous in getting us up and running. Uh, and and they tip of the hat to them. They've really got a great product. You know, one of the things that I like is I've been searching for a way to tie in BIM 360 um, to this. And so and so we will actually store our files on BIM 360. You can't view the files, unfortunately, um, but then we can upload those into Sintu as well. And then we can do. What they they do have an integration into BIM 360 that allow you to load models straight from BIM 360 into the point cloud on oh, their awesome. on their system. I What's cool Carlos about that? Caminos was sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just gonna say I think Carlos Caminos was telling us about the integration on a previous podcast. I just don't think I grasped that there was an integrate like that it was integrated. I thought he was just linking a file. Um, and and like there was I didn't realize that there was there's like a plug in or integration rather yeah, so, or the, so, on the back end. 
Yeah, so there's there's two key pieces that I like about it. It's a I wouldn't say it's fully integrated, but it does allow you to do two key things. And and the first one is that you can link that file. So as your BIM 360 models update are republished, you can pull those in and you're looking at the latest models in your point cloud. So are they fixing things? Uh, are they getting them closer to what uh, what the existing conditions look like? That's helpful. The other piece of it is you're able to put in issues that are then pushed back into BIM 360, which I think is a phenomenal thing. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, honestly, we've been looking for like a clash detection kind of thing with clouds. Um, if you can start utilizing a point cloud for coordination, I mean, it's it's really, I mean, even if you think about, you know, um, rehab kind of work where you're going in and, and you're actually, I can't remember what the uh, abbreviation for it is, but. Uh, a TI? A TI, yeah. If you're doing yeah. a TI job and you're going in somewhere, it's going to benefit you to know exactly what is where, right? And being able to take a point cloud <laughs> from there bring it in right and and actually merge all of these models together these design I'm, models it's nuts i'm laughing because there is uh, a project in portland that is a large design technology firm and i'll leave it at that their office um the models uh for the for the ti had the columns in the wrong spot. They had to go oh, in there I and scan that. it. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not. A, I'm um, not at all surprised by that. That that happens so common. You know, we've seen. You know, if I put my GC hat back on, and even in my A and E days, that was very common. You would go out there, and then you would measure it out, and you go back, and someone would accidentally draw it in the wrong place, and and yeah, that that happens all the time. And, you know, I, the poor GC always had to inherit that and <laughs> yep. figure it out, you know, at design time. So now we have the ability to really compare those models online. So the, the technology, the technology's definitely enabled people. You know, I came from surveying construction at, layout, you know, years back. And, you know, I remember touching my first scanner and I'm like, well, what am I going to do with this afterwards? And then I'm chatting with people. They're they're taking two days to process the data and oh you need a beefy machine now 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 talking about technology computers have gotten to the point where we're actually able to handle stuff not you know, and then if you um you know now we have this thing called cloud or other as i like to call it, other people's computers um we we can we can leverage that uh for mass computing and get to a faster result um so the processing times have come, come down with scanning and now the visualization dave as you've uh, so eloquently put it, that is one of the most important things. It's great for us to visualize, um, but I, you know, I want to show, you know, you, 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 and you, as I point to air people around me here, um, you know, look, this is what this, this, this point cloud has in it, and this is what needs to be fixed. And previously, I think all we were doing was taking screenshots, uh, and then like drawing an arrow and it's like, oh, well, this isn't really contextual. Like you, you're not able to really grasp this information. So right. being able to and place issues in there, that's, that's, that I want to see, man. Well, and that, and, you know, and that's the beautiful part is that you're right. I mean, so we've got an issue with a window, which window is it on which floor on which side of the building? 
having having a, the ability to to do issue tracking that that provides you a feedback as to the location of it is is huge. I remember back in the day we would spend hours looking for one one clash that someone had pointed out and never able to find it. Um, so so you know that's you're right it's it's a huge thing and that's why I'm very much enjoying uh, the Sentu product. I really like some of the th the other things that they're working on with it. If you guys get a chance to try it out, you know the alignment feature I think is is probably best in class. I think that all all systems that are using um, point cloud data should be using some some similar layout tool for alignment. It's just it's fantastic. It's so easy to move the model around. If and especially when you get you know you get disparate models from from different groups that don't may, maybe understand you know internal origins and shared per, shared coordinates and 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 that thing, you know that coordination can take you know a lot of a time away from the valuable going in and finding issues. We, we um, were just chatting about this uh, what yesterday or day before, Dave, uh, moving a, and aligning a point cloud in Revit. Um, you're like, oh, yeah, you do this, then you got to do this. And it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a very manual process, and you're leaving it open for human error at that point. If you're trying to verify any placement or you're trying to see if the floor is flat, you know, anything like that, I mean, it just – it really at that point overrides kind of what you're trying to do, right? If, if you yeah. set up correctly, you set up in a coordinate system, you set your control points, you position yourself correctly, um, there's no reason – why you should have to manually rotate that pro that that point cloud now yeah. i know some softwares unfortunately will still kind of um require you to do some stuff you can you know utilize some of the positioning if you know the coordinates and things like that but it just becomes a pain you don't want to move those things manually i mean that, that just like i said it kind of defeats the whole purpose of it at that point yeah yeah it really does and uh, so I, I think I think that one of their features is allowing you to move that that model around uh, or or the point cloud, whatever, whichever one you select is a, is a, it's a fairly easy tool to use and uh, really, really like that one. Um, the other one that I really like is the um, the the crop tools and the annotations It actually allows you to to put notes to your point clouds. So that that's kind of interesting in in the sense that now you can start to do a little bit of you know task planning if you want to share the models across the organization you can uh, you can highlight and point out things without having to have an integration say into BIM 360 or Procore or BIMTrack which which Sintu does have integrations into Procore and BIMTrack as well. Mm -hmm. Nice. Yep, yep, yep. I would say that's a definite plus, and I know. Um, you know, Recap Pro also does have some of that functionality now with with being able to push up or publish the point clouds into BIM 360. It's nice because it takes your annotations, your measurement, you know, the dimensions, things like that. If you place any text or any notes in there, um, you can actually publish that information to the cloud as well. So that's that I, I would I would definitely agree, John. That's very beneficial for anybody that's involved. Um, the, another reason I kind of like when we get into that kind of portion of it is that if somebody is in um, in the point cloud and they're actually annotating and they're going through and making dimensions or placing text, if other people get into that point cloud, if some people like in BIM 360, this instance, that's what I know, right? Um, they actually can view 
those different annotations and, and dimensions and things like that af right after they're made. As long as somebody publishes that information up, it's it's almost like being in a central model, right? And I start seeing, you know, we have a very, very big um, benefit, I, I would believe, to making a, you know, point cloud like a central model in a way that multiple people get into it. They can access the information. They can pull the data that they need, whether it's measurements. You know, of course, I would love it if we could click on the point cloud and actually pull, you know, information from it. But, you know, being able to just visualize that is is very beneficial. And of course, again, connecting that the annotations, the markups, things like that to people that um, need to see that information. Very, very beneficial. So, Dave, you and I actually have some exploring to do on our own front. One, we have to look at Sintu. And two, you and I actually already have access to some pretty, pretty remarkable um, point cloud visualization tools. Like we've got Magnet uh, Collage Web, where if somebody publishes the point cloud, you can just log into a browser and actually view the point cloud, not the the um, the view as we were talking earlier with the, the what Bin360 is currently using. Yeah, and what Recap is. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, with Recap, we can at least use um, the point cloud in the native in the product. It's just when we go to the cloud, it, it you know, for whatever reason. Um, and then yeah. the other part of this is we have Magnet Live, let's let you do the markups and all that sort of stuff. Now there's an integration between Magnet uh, Enterprise and BIM 360. So maybe this is something we take offline, you and I, and we figure out how we can leverage the two together and, and kind of connect those. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be awesome. And I definitely think I want to get into the Sintu trial as well. Yeah. Um, there's so many softwares out there that I've been hearing about that I need to kind of get into. <laughs> Who has the time? I know, right? Right. We it's need just John fine. Niles to give us a list of what we need to use, <laughs> and that's what we're gonna do. There be be go. our technology rep, man. You well, go. you know, we can send over we can send over a proposal. <laughs> I, like it. I like it. But oh. uh, you know, you know, you're absolutely right. I mean, the technology is changing so rapidly. The things that you know, I. I said, you know, four years ago, that's never going to happen. You see it at Autodesk University or 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 another trade show, and you're just like, that's not going to happen for a long time. It's it's happened. You know, when I started out in the business, you know, if I had to send over five drawings to a client, you know, the best way to do it was just to put it on a on a disc and drive an hour and a half to their site and drop it off. I mean, look at how look at look at how much technology has transformed our business. If you just look at the last 20 years or even even 10 years, it's just absolutely mind blowing. So and, so and where we're going now, now that we've got big computers working at a lot of these these bigger problems and able to ingest a lot of these big data sets, we can there it's sky's the limit, really. So 10 years ago. Eh, maybe 12 years ago, I don't remember how long ago, I was uh, getting my files in the field um, by taking, by downloading them before I left the office. If I didn't do that, I would have to drive, somebody would meet me with a thumb drive, mm -hmm. and then I would plug that into it. Um, I think we were trying to use email at some point in time, but uh, DWGs were too big or something. So like, depending on product product project specific i guess we could email them but now you can just connect your field controllers to the cloud you can go to bim 360 or any cloud version every tool out there has a cloud access now it seems like what your OneDrive, your box whatever and get a file and 
And that to me, even doing it through like boxed and OneDrive, that still even seems so legacy. That seems old, you know, as to where we are now, where it's like a direct connection to, you know, having this data repository instead of a, an FTP site somewhere. So like yeah. we changed so much six years ago, even I was daydreaming about integrations between BIM and GIS without having, you know, these archaic database systems and, and connecting to your, 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 your legacy database um, and tying in your asset information. And, you know, it takes, you know, a $400,000 implementation to connect all this stuff. Now we can do this stuff like with, you know, freaking eight thousand dollars in software and a beefy computer yep yeah it's coming along it's great another point to that joe and kind of going back to what john was talking about i mean with with technology growing as fast as it as it has and you know our pain points that we that we are experiencing especially with these point clouds we've seen a big big push for cloud computing right being able to host these large data sets in the cloud these big models or point clouds whatever they are and you know even even revit of years ago we started seeing um rendering in the cloud right we could send up our revit models and render it in the cloud it's so much easier we could keep working you know and keep going and and we're starting to see some even point cloud processing softwares are going into the cloud like hey take this scan upload it into the cloud it'll process for you here and then when it's done hey, you got this point cloud on the cloud that you're not storing on that, your server or on your local hard drive. It's, 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 you know, it's computed, it's processed, and it's held in the cloud. And guess what? Most of the time, that's an HTML web browser. So you yeah. don't need a specific software. You and, don't need big you know, computer investment to be able to view right. those files. And, and that makes sense because we were already doing that for years with drone data. Drone, do you guys remember, like, drone data you upload to the cloud? Um, I'm trying to remember the company's name. They're actually based in Pittsburgh, PA. Um, essentially, you just and they run like the Pix40 engine. You upload your your stuff to the cloud. You can view it in the cloud, or you can download it to whatever file format you want. And then you have your drone data ready. John, you have been an early adopter of technology. I remember. Um, so we were talking about Autodesk uh, AU in the past and they had like the robotic dogs and you were going down that rabbit hole of looking at those boston robotics dogs and stuff (laughs) you know there's a lot coming with like quantum computing and ai and how it's changing stuff especially in in construction technology we're getting to predictive analytics um we're using the cloud processing to do that to analyze job over job over job to tell us where we can make these uh improvements and uh you know correct some inefficiencies in our workflows and processes what kind of stuff are you looking at today i mean you're the you're the you're you're at the forefront. I look at you and I'm like, this guy's this guy's bleeding edge. I don't know it. if I can keep up with it. It is just changing so rapidly. I, I would say that there there there's going to be a lot of great things happening in robotics that are already happening, frankly. Um, and a lot of it is is you know to coin a phrase that uh, a colleague of mine. Uh, um, Chris Hager told me, you know, the robot ready drawing, um, that is, that I think is going to be the next, next bigger thing. Oh, uh, as we talk about automation, you're saying you like maybe about a automation, you talk about, something. You, you t- you're talking about taking BIM models and basically pushing them into uh, robot ready ingestible data data points that the robot reads and can do 
do all sorts of n- neat things. You know, um, Hilti, Hilti's got their JBot that does uh, anchor drilling in ceilings. Incredible product. Dusty Robotics um, is doing floor layout. It, and and the amount of data that they're able to put on that layout, it's not like a typical layout that that you would see in the most of the time in the field, you know, with the chalk lines and everything else. They're actually printing on the floor information about doors, door hardware, the thickness of drywall will get drawn on there. So if you've got if you've got a, a room, say, that needs to have two two uh, layers of drywall on, it'll, it'll draw those two lines on there. It's incredible. And the technology is only going to get faster, easier, and 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 frankly, smarter as we go along. But what stays the same is that you've got this BIM model, and how can you use that? for other purposes to reduce the cost of the actual development of the BIM model to begin with. And we've got to reimagine how that workflow looks. It's no longer a siloed approach. I think we're going to lean into with a lot of tools that automate the design side, um, you know, to thinking, thinking in context of today, maybe something like a Dynamo uh, or whatever, I forgot what uh, the tool for that Rhino is. Maybe it's Rhino for Dynamo or Dynamo for Rhino. I don't know what it's called, but like these these scripting automation tools essentially that help you process data in a certain way, but it actually helps you structure data. And one of the biggest issues that we have on the design side, and actually which translates to issues in the field, is the way that the data is put together and compiled um, you know, you've got fudge dimensions, you've got uh, standards, in, inconsistent standards and naming conventions all the way through, um, you know, fudged materials. Uh, I just, you know, put in a you know, half inch floor here, but the, the flooring is actually, you know, you know, 17 millimeter or whatever, whatever it is. I don't know. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's it's improper uh, information in the model and it's just you know, this is uh, designing 10 or this was easier to go this route or whatever it is. Um, things that we're overcoming, whether that's using like a standards platform like Unity or um, doing automation or something, something needs to correct it so that later on downstream, if you want to get to this robotic automation, the data has to be structured and put together in a certain way. And especially as we start to thinking about in terms of prefabrication and the MEP systems, right? If you're using an MEP uh, platform today, um, we typically, you know, we're using uh, fabrication databases that have been around forever, right? Pulling data from that fabrication database is no two fabrication databases the same between or amongst uh, different uh, subcontractors. Um, right. And an issue with that, though, is the data structured in a certain way. It has different information in that .itm and all the, the corresponding files so that when we bring that information in, um, there's no standards. And it's going to be a bigger issue in the future because we're moving to this, this stuff to the cloud, right? And if manufacturers are just, you know, putting in a whole bunch of information, but not vetting the fields and the naming conventions and all that sort of stuff. I don't know, things can get a little bit chaotic. And I feel like if we're going to get to true automation um, or not, maybe not true automation, but just really want to speed up the development process uh, and reduce uh, uh, material costs by, you know, overruns and all that sort of stuff and keeping our, our quantities where they should be and, and all that sort of stuff, we really have to, um, I don't know, we have to get to a point where there's 
there's some real standards set in place. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Having 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 good breakdown structures for that information, you know, aligning that data so that it can talk to the other systems and ingest that data in. You know, not necessarily does the BIM model contain every bit of data that about the the building, and that's not necessary. But what you need that's are a bloated model. Exactly. And and really, it, it's not appropriate for, for what you may need to get out of it. Um, you know, graphically, yeah, you want to see it and you want to be able to see the building and you want to be able to, to navigate through it. But other data may reside somewhere else. But how do you how do you provide, uh, you know, that alignment and structure so that they can talk to each other in a, in a thoughtful way, in a, in a, a productive so way? So in GIS, we have our database, right? You know, a common database, but we're, uh, we would be accessing other databases. Say maybe there's asset information over there, whether that's a hand concept, hand comp system or whatever, or there's, um, you know, uh, psychographic data that we want, to, uh, you know, help a big box retailer figure out where they should put in stores. Um, these are external databases that we're linking to and we're parsing and all that sort of stuff. And we're bringing in that information, but graphically, you know, we hold the graphics and the shape files in our in our model. Sometimes, obviously, we will we'll link them in as well too. But why, you know, Revit should be the same thing. We should be able to push and pull data. Maybe not Revit. Maybe Revit's not the tool that we'd be using for this. But um, you know, maybe you're able to push and pull Revit models in, and maybe that's you know, I guess really what BIM 360 is starting to become. But being able to use databases um, and and push, you know, aggregate data in one place. Um, because one tool does not do it all. You're absolutely right. And I think that's I, I, I think, you know, this brings it kind of full circle on the fact that, you know, the digital twin is not not necessarily just a BIM model. It's all this data brought together that gives you a complete picture of your facility. I think um, I think that that can include point cloud data. I mean, certainly, certainly, you know, I've worked on projects where, you know, you have you know, hand laid plaster freezes that that were put in almost a, a hundred or two hundred years ago, you're not going to model those types of things. But a laser scanner picks those things up perfectly and it fills in that detail and it gives you that complete picture of the rest of the building that you may not otherwise have. So how do we bring all these disparate, you know, silos of data together and visualize it in, in one place? You know, that common data data environment like BIM 360, you know, is, is, a, is a great tool for that. So, David, you and I chatted with uh, Flora Lou, uh, I don't know, must have been a year plus ago, about um, this specific thing. Like they were um, having to, you know, recreate or, or whatever. They wanted to capture histor um, architectural historical details for a, for a building facade. And um, spending time modeling that is just so inconsistent. And then doing a scan, a scan was great, but they wanted a solid out of it. And if you were to do the scan to mesh with just about most software out there, it it does not look um, appropriate. Uh, for, no, for and I mean, it, it all depends on how far they are away, what type of scanner yeah. they're using, everything like that. But I mean, if you think about it, um, usually what we would do in that case is you take pictures 
right? And you're, you're taking, uh, unfortunately, pictures are 2D. Even, if, you know, you can take a bunch of pictures to try and give you a good idea on what that, you know, you complex piece up. looks like. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I'm thinking mesh it, dude, but. Now the photo, the mesh cloud. photo was still the same. Exactly. Issue. She had yeah. a different software that, that got us to that point. But, but the issue is you're still storing that data. You need to still store that data for others to access and yeah. link that in or how, however you do it. And it needs would, to have an overlap of some sort. Yeah, and I would I would challenge you guys to give Sintu a try because it actually creates the mesh model in the cloud that you can download as well. And that is kind of interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna Re be giving recap. it a try, John, after we get off of this. I know that I, I I've been hearing a lot about it and um I mean, I, I just love the fact that we can get these point clouds together and, and, and the fact that we have so many competitors in this space at this point, because I feel like the more competition that, that is out there, the, the more technology, the better that it gets for the users, right? Because Absolutely. at the end of the day, they want to they wanna be the one that the users go to. And if you're not providing that functionality, if you're not growing and 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 providing that usability for your your users your end users you're just you're not going to go anywhere so man i i feel like yeah again we are at an exciting time to see how we can translate this data right because i mean joe as i was kind of saying there the pictures are, are 2d but you take a scan most of the time i mean that's fully three-dimensional and you can pull that in you can insert it into revit you know or whatever it is you're using for design solidworks inventor you know what have you but the big thing is going to be that, uh, I mean, it's helping you with that visualization, but if we can get to that point where we're creating parametric kind of full elements and an and actual kind of digital there, twin with a actual parametric there's, element. You know, there's a guy out of Australia that was writing Dynamo scripts that would um, connect point clouds together and create solids out of them. Yeah. And that was, yeah. it was pretty cool. Um, that said, John, you mentioned uh, the mesh in the cloud uh that was a feature in recap years ago it was a beta yeah. feature. they took it away it, they just released it again in 2022 so uh, and that's uh, that i'm excited about trying out and um yeah i was disappointed when they when they took that away because there were certain aspects of our workflow back in that day that we really wanted to see those meshes oh yeah easier to work with and and then they took that feature away and it was like oh an, an you know, empty room an empty room, uh, a mesh works really well for. Yeah. Um, you know, if you've got yeah. stuff on the walls or whatever, it's gonna meld it together. I mean, you can do a little bit of cleanup, but yeah. I, I don't know. There's just something more contextual about the mesh. The th you know, having uh, an object rather instead of just visual points floating off. Well, the and what I've realized is there's so much that goes into the mesh. You know, I've been using. Um, I know we're going to do an episode with them eventually, but the Pix4D, right? I've been using Pix4D Catch and kind of realizing how, as you're going through scanning, how it's, you know, kind of what it's doing to look to create that mesh, right? And it's kind of mapping, it's gridding out. Like I, I scanned my sister's house here. It was, it was mapping out the floor, you know, in hotel in the hotel in Indianapolis. I, I took it through the room that we were in and I was able to, kind of see again as it's gridding and mapping out these locations and then if i'm too far away you notice that it's pulling back towards me or it's deflecting up you know and it's um it, it all i think it, it's kind of interesting to see again how it's working but I, I think it all kind of goes back to the scanner that you're using you know the accuracy 
um, if you're able to view it, you know, you're looking at the scanner's visibility, things like that. Um, the RGB again, that goes yeah, with it. Yeah, yes, there's a lot to it, man. There is. There's a lot to it, but I feel like it can only get better, right? As we, as we start mapping these out and we're using these scanners that are a million points a minute and stuff like that, you know, um, I, I really feel like our second, yeah, 100, 100 million points per second. I feel like the sky is the limit in the sense of when we can start mapping, you know, the floors, the walls, and all of those different elements with a, a good amount of precision. Because that's what we're lacking with meshes right now is that it's not very precise, as you're saying. You know, you can get some areas that if something gets in the way, it blobs it up. But if we can start figuring out how to, again, plan our scans and do our setups at times when nobody's going to be moving around the job site, maybe that's, you know, too difficult. Maybe it's when you have the least amount of movement, what have you, you know, to be able to optimize the time yeah. that we have to get this data. Yeah, rid of those ghost artifacts in the yeah. cloud. Yeah. Well, the then then you enter in robotics where you just send a robot out to scan. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. You know, and, it, and obviously there's going to be an operator there. You know, I've had a lot of people ask me, well, what's going to happen to all the jobs, you know, when robots come in? I said, well, someone's got to fix the robots. So I don't, I don't, I don't see that there's going to be a, that much of a change in There's, our workflow of workforce, but it's gonna it's gonna require some retraining that's yep. gonna have to occur. We're always scared, like you know, we never want to displace anybody. We you know, that's something that we're not getting to. We're trying to solve a problem here, and the problem is with inaccuracies, uh, with waste, uh, and just ultimately just to speed up the process in general, right? Um, if you look at the historical way, you know, we used to pull tape to figure out where a point goes on a job site. That is highly inefficient, not just in, uh, for the inaccuracy standpoint, but also because it was at minimum two man job. And we'd be lucky to lay out, you know, 100 points in two days. Like it, it just took forever. Nowadays, I could hit out there with a total station, a robotic total station. It's a one man job. It takes me like I can lay out 100 points in no time at all. Um, and it's only going to get, you know, that that technology is only going to improve. So just think about it on a on a job scale. And it's not that we're we're sending, you know, oh, now we're not sending two people out in the job. It's like, no, now there's one person that's managing that total station and doing layout there. But I have somebody else on another floor and we're doing more jobs because the bottom line is uh, the population of the, of the world is incre increasing like I had this whole presentation in the past that I used to give where it was like um, we're, the, we're adding 30% of the population in the next 50 something years or whatever it was. And um, so we're growing by a third, like 3 million people, 3 billion people. Um, we have aging infrastructure, which is still an issue today. This, I, this is a presentation I gave seven years ago and nothing's been generated. We're still talking about infrastructure spending uh, bills. Uh, and add to that the new development that has to keep up with it and construction has, um, you know, uh, the material costs have only increased, especially in COVID. It's crazy. But also you add to that the labor shortages. Um, I can't tell you how often I run into somebody in uh, in the industry, a, a firm, and, they're, you know, you ask them, is like, what's your number one issue? It's, it's getting qualified, trained people. Um, and yes, we can handle training, but getting anybody getting the amount of people they need interested in construction is just becoming few and far between. So it's just, it's just something, it's a, it's a burden and a gap that we've all got to overcome. And I think technology, again, it's not going to replace anybody. It's just going to help us get there. And I, you know, my kids are going to look at construction and they're going to say, Oh yeah, that's a technology job. Not that that's a, 
you know, a backbreaking laborer job. That's that's the misconception we have these days. There's more technology in construction, and it's changing fast. It is. It really is. It, it um, it's it's at breakneck speeds. You know, I've I've done some studies on 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 just how much money is being poured into it, and it's just incredible. Uh, how much money is being poured into the problem to figure it out. You know, one of the other things that we've got to think about is, you know, carbon emissions, embodied carbon, and how we're going to, how we're going to reduce our carbon footprints and our energy usage across the board. We've got to, we've got to think differently. We've got to think, uh, we've got to think more streamlined. We've, we've got to, we've got to challenge conventional wisdom of how we've been doing things and and really we've really got to try and save this planet you know and grow at the same time yep i agree i agree it's you know we got to build faster better and stronger in in my mind oh yeah we need to large um, natural disasters yeah yeah stuff yeah, there's so much that goes into this. I mean, obviously, that's another reason why I love this industry. There's so many different areas we can kind of go into, so many conversations we can have so about it. You yeah. and I have a new favorite uh, area, and John will bring it up to you here. Um, Dave and I love the BIM for deconstruction process oh, that yeah. starting to talk about now. Uh, Pittsburgh just passed a um, deconstruction mandate. You have to deconstruct older historical buildings as opposed to just knock them down so there's salvageable materials and i think they're starting on a residential scale at this moment but the idea is to move to the commercial side like what is your what is your uh thought what are your thoughts on uh you know bim for deconstruction or just construction technology to help us with deconstruction and salvage these materials well you know it kind of goes back into you know that life the building life cycle and and how how BIM and, and a digital twin can help with that because once we go into facilities management and maintenance, it can be used to monitor new projects. Now I've got to I've got to put in a new duct bank somewhere through the building. How do I snake it through the building the right way? You know, or I got to run out a new pipe somewhere. And then when you go in to deconstruct it, I mean, if you have this data already, you understand you know, how the building was built, you understand the materials that were in it. So now you can do quantity takeoffs of the, those materials and, and have a better understanding of of exactly what materials might be considered hazardous or or just, you know, from a volume standpoint, how much concrete went into this building. We can pull those types of data out of of the models now there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to do that in 40 years as long as we've we've continued to to keep it upgraded. Um, so so you know that's where I think that's where I think all these models live beyond you know just design and construction. You know if if we if we align it the correct way, then we get that full life cycle out of it. I love it. I love it. So I think we're nearing close to an hour now, and I want to. Before we, you know, start to do the wrap up, I, I want to hear some some things from you. So, uh, we normally ask guests, you know, as we start to wrap up, what are some things you're excited for? And I think we did that with you in the past. Um, yep. But instead of asking you what are some things you're excited for coming down the pipe, I'd rather ask you 
what are some problems that you're excited or would like vendors or technology or somebody just out there with a wild idea to fix? Like, what are some of those current remaining stop gaps that are just, you know, top of the list bottlenecks for you? I think the, I think the one of the ones that's near the top of my list is the availability of 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 content to help our designers and our our uh, subcontractors, our trade folks be able to populate their models quickly i think uh, i think there's a lot of good work that's being done by a lot of different different vendors out there you know the, the top of mind is bim object for me um there i know there's a ton of other vendors out there getting getting good content to to the the, the teams is paramount i also want to see um more more integration of some of these specialty um, tools that that trades are using to model their data. I think of uh, I think of um, some of the ones that are used specifically for MEP that only push out into AutoCAD. It would be nice to see additional data there that that can flow into the BIM models. Oh yeah, yeah, certainly. I remember it was revolutionary when SprintCAD got a Revit plugin. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So I think I think seeing those integrations continue to happen, I think are are paramount for the industry, and and I think will help our owners visualize all the data, not just the design data, not just the construction data, but all the data and in, in total. I think that there's a lot of great stuff that's being done by you know companies like Sentu with with regard to um, point clouds that I think are going to be really interesting to see how those flesh out, you know, especially especially with AI um, and machine learning. There's a lot of great stuff that's happening in 360 uh, photogrammetry. So your 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 structure sites and open spaces of the world, um, Matterport, those types of systems. And I know there's a whole host of them out there, and it's it's really hard to keep keep track with all of them because there's so many great ones out there. But those integrations and how that's all starting to coalesce around potential for 5D um, and project progress, you know, it, there's a lot of really interesting things that are going to be happening. And so that's where I would love to see things going and concentration on. Or those integrations, those continued integrations. I love it. I also love the AI that's tying it, starting to tie it all together. There's AI design tools and MEP now, and AI for well, Dave and I are going to get in this on another podcast pretty soon. But AI in construction to help us uh, speed up and and uh, tie all this stuff together in a more efficient manner. The 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 the, the future is kind of limitless in this this regard as we start getting into quantum computing and stuff. It's it's amazing. It really is. Quantum computing is just, it's mind blowing in my opinion. And I think it's really going to be a game changer. Well, they're saying um, that's the piece that's really stopping singularity as we, you know, the, whatever you want to think about, whatever you think about this, but like, uh, you know, the downloading the human consciousness and stuff like that, there isn't a computer that does what the human brain can do, but they're really thinking that quantum computing is that next evolution that, that could get us to something like that. Whether it's true or not, I don't know, but 
Um, it's, it's it's pretty exciting. I I can only imagine building a, a data center of quantum computers at some point. That would be really interesting. It's gonna be nuts. Yeah. Well, John, is you know, is there anything that you would love to say to our listeners before uh, we wrap up? Any projects you'd like to mention? No, you know, just uh, you know, thank you for listening. I, I really thank you, uh, Joe and David, for for making this happen. This is such a great forum to to get the word out and and some of the things that we're doing. You know, if you if you're an owner and you you've got some uh, some needs and need some help uh, uh, getting through on the myriad of technologies that are out there, we're always available to help and we'd love to talk to you. 